states' rights. Abortion laws for women and girls now up to the states. It is a mistake for the Supreme Court to do what it did. For a leader of one of the most conservative states, what does it mean in real terms? I'll speak exclusively to the governor of South Dakota, Republican Kristi Noem, in moments. And under oath, a former Trump aide testifies about the ex-president. I overheard the president say something to the effect of, I don't effing care that they have weapons. What's next in the committee's case? January 6th committee member, Republican Congressman Adam Kinzinger joins me exclusively. Plus, high stakes holiday, soaring gas prices and inflation dampen Americans' holiday celebrations, as former President Trump considers making a second presidential bid official as soon as this month. Can President Biden turn America's mood around? I'm Dana Bash in Washington, where the State of Our Union is ready for some fireworks of the non-political variety. Happy Fourth of July weekend. As friends gather to celebrate America's birthday at parades and cookouts over this holiday break, the food they're eating and the drives they are taking are more expensive than last year. And there are signs that Americans of different political stripes are growing more divided after a series of Supreme Court reversals on environmental regulations, guns and abortion. Add to the mix the ongoing fight over former President Trump's big election lie as Americans learn shocking new details about how far Trump was willing to go to stay in power. The former president has told associates he is eager to launch his 2024 campaign as early as this month. For his part, President Biden is focused on the midterm elections this fall. He met virtually with Democratic governors Friday on abortion rights, but as Republican states move quickly to further restrict the ability of women and girls to terminate a pregnancy, life and how it's defined depends more and more on where you live. Here with me now is a staunch abortion rights opponent, Republican Governor Kristi Noem of South Dakota, where abortion is now illegal, except in the case where the life of the mother is at risk. She is also the author of a new book, Not My First Rodeo. Governor, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Uh, this is a very new world with a lot of unanswered questions. So I want to spend some time this morning trying to understand some of the many aspects of this major shift in America. And I want to start with something that I've heard you say many, many times over the past few weeks, which is you are going to walk alongside mothers and their children after this decision. I want to ask you what that looks like. Would you support, for example, South Dakota providing paid parental leave and state-funded child care so mothers can work and care for their children? Well, family leave policy is something that I addressed as soon as I became governor in South Dakota. I do think it's important that we walk alongside people when they enter into a situation where maybe they have an unplanned pregnancy. And many women feel as though when when they get have a pregnancy that's not planned, that it's a crisis situation, and we need to do a better job of supporting them. So I launched a website called life.sd.gov that makes those connections, helps with medical care, financial services. Uh, connects them to nonprofits or mm -hmm. even adoptive parents that may choose to parent their child if that's the choice that they make. And, Governor, I, I went through that entire website, and I'm going to ask you about mm -hmm. that in a second. But on mm -hmm. the uh, notion of family leave, do you support and will you support when the special session comes in there in South Dakota paid family leave or greater access financially to child care? That's a discussion we're going to have. I think it's important that we back up exactly what I've been saying since I'm governor 
that uh, we want stronger families, that I think it's important for children to have families around them and be with them. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we'll continue to talk about as a priority for our state. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, what's interesting in South Dakota is that it's very much a legislative process. Uh, we get input from legislators. I file bills, they mm -hmm. file bills. We debate, have session. And uh, we reflect what the people of the state believe and support. Yeah, it's a very dynamic uh, situation. I've been following yeah. it closely. You have a pretty powerful bully pulpit. What is your position on paid family leave? Will you push for it? It's something that I've supported in the past and talked about. So giving that flexibility to families. So South Dakota has not had a broad, expansive policy like several other states do. And I think that's a debate that we'll continue to have. So you're going to Many push it. times it's the financial uh, cost, the medical cost, and the leave policy uh, that many people have a tough time supporting, mm -hmm. but I think in South Dakota that the time is right. Uh, thousands of low-income women in South Dakota without health insurance could be covered during and after pregnancy if your state expanded Medicaid under Obamacare. This is going to be on the ballot there in South Dakota in November. Mm -hmm. Will you support that? You know, I think it's interesting because what that does is make sure that uh, Medicaid expansion would cover able-bodied single individuals uh, that are able to work, and it also would include about an $80 million cost to the state. So that'll be a debate that'll be on the ballot if it passes. I'll certainly make sure that's implemented fairly and that it's done fairly. It's something that I uh, will continue to look at. That cost to the state is incredible, and the people that it covers are people that are single and able-bodied and able to work. We have many open jobs, very few people in our state that are on unemployment right now. Will you uh, and our it? incomes are going up faster here in South Dakota than anywhere else uh, in the country. So the people of South Dakota economically are doing better, even though we're really struggling with the inflation of the Biden economy and what's been happening with the policies just, out of D.C. Just real quick, it's on the ballot. You're a voter, obviously. Will you vote for it? I won't be voting for it myself personally because of the tax increases that would have to happen to pay for it. Uh, but if it is passed by the people, I certainly will implement it. So you mentioned your website. Many of the resources on that website are federal mm -hmm. programs, private organizations. So I'm just trying to understand, you mentioned paid family leave. What else will you do as governor of South Dakota or push for? I understand you have to do it in partnership with the legislature. Since the mm -hmm. state is effectively banning abortion, do you believe the state has a greater responsibility to directly support, financially support with services, women, girls, children, well, we do that through many of our agencies already. And you'll so there's add to many that. different grants and programs that'll do that. And yes, I do believe that we should. I've told the legislature that clearly that I think that's a debate we need to have on what more mm -hmm. we can do to support mothers in this situation. We have many pregnancy centers and those that do walk alongside those mothers today bringing us ideas. And we'll have that discussion during debate. And it's important to know that 2005 is when the trigger law was mm -hmm. passed, saying that when the Supreme Court passed this authority, by overturning Roe back to the states, that the law of the land would be right. then that abortion would be illegal except to save the life of the mother. Now that that's the law, then we have to look at what we need to do to address who in those situations, if they do break the law, is punished, and that's the doctors, not the women. I want to make sure that that's appropriate well, and that the women are not punished in this situation and that we do support them as we go forward. Well, let me ask you about that. The Indianapolis Star is reporting that a 10-year-old girl in Ohio, who was six weeks and three days pregnant, now has to travel across state lines to Indiana to receive an abortion. So I just, mm -hmm. because this is a trigger law that was passed before you became governor, I wanted you to be clear. Will the state of South Dakota going forward force 
a 10-year-old in that very same situation to have a baby? You know what I think is incredible, Dana, in this tragic story? Because I heard about this last night. What's incredible is that nobody's talking about the pervert, horrible, right. and deranged individual that raped a 10-year-old. And what is it? What are we doing about that? I agree what with you. What are we you. doing about I mean, those of individuals? Course. That's, that do this that's, to that these is children. an important discussion you, to have. You but, rape but children. The, this, that's an issue that the Supreme yeah, Court has weighed in as well. I, I, listen, I and totally as much understand as we talk that. But about our, what we can do for that little girl, I think we also need to be addressing those sick individuals that do right. this to our children. I t- couldn't agree more. So but this, our bodies are our bodies, and women are the ones who uh, who get pregnant. And in this case, it wasn't a woman; it was a girl. Should she have to have a child? A child. Should she have to have that baby? Every single life. Every single life is precious. This tragedy is horrific. I can't even imagine. I've never had anybody in my family or myself gone through anything like this. I can't even imagine. But in South Dakota, the law today is that the abortions are illegal except to save the life of and the mother. And you would be okay with that, and, a 10-year-old girl having to have a baby? No, I'm never okay with that. In fact, that story will keep me up at night. It absolutely so will. So would you try to change the law mother, to have an I'm exception a, of a in a situation like this? Got a one got a one-year-old little granddaughter mm-hmm. named Miss Addie. I can't even imagine. What I would say is I don't believe a tragic situation should be perpetuated by another tragedy. And so there's more that we've got to do to make sure that we really are living a life that says every life is precious, especially innocent lives that have been shattered like that 10-year-old girl. Yeah. And, and it's incredibly complicated, and I, and I get it. But I guess my question is, given how heartbroken you seem to be about the situation, Maybe the the question is this, because what I keep thinking about is how is a 10-year-old girl physically no. probably can't even uh, carry a baby without being, never mind emotionally and mentally uh, sort of tormented, but physically hurt. Would you consider that the life of a mother at risk? And I think that's something that, you know, that situation... Uh, the doctor, the family, the individuals closest to that will make the decisions there for that family. That's what's interesting about the time we live in right now is every state will have different laws on the books. The decisions will be made by the legislators that are closest to the people. That's appropriate. Mm -hmm. It's the way our Constitution intended. Uh, And I think that South Dakota's laws may look very different than California's, may look very different than New York's, where that governor has said, she wants to become a destination known for providing abortions. Well, that's not our story here in South Dakota. Yeah. Uh, and I think every governor, every state will make very different decisions on what their laws look like. On that note, if Republicans take back Congress in Washington, would you support a national ban on abortion? You know, we'll see what Congress does and what those discussions are. I've never, Dana, uh, operated in hypotheticals. I've told people what my values are, how I would lead. And then I follow through on that. That's just something that I've always done running for elected office. You represent your people, but you also represent the person that the values that you hold and, and how you see your job as governor. We saw that during COVID. We saw that with uh, all the decisions that were made in different mm-hmm. states as far as impacting people's families and their businesses. South Dakota made very different decisions than every other state. Uh, I trust the people. I trust the Constitution. I hate the energy policy that this administration is bringing and harming our families. I hate the food insecurity that they're creating and the national security crisis that we have going on. Joe Biden has been devastating for this country, and I'm going to continue to fight to defend the people in South Dakota. Just real quick, is it a state right abortion or should it be a state right or not? It's it's a decision that should be made at the state level. Absolutely. The Supreme Court Mm -hmm. uh, Justice Clarence Thomas suggested that the court's decision legalizing 
same-sex nationwide uh, marriage should be reconsidered. South Dakota's ban on same-sex marriage from 2006 is still on the books. Should the Supreme Court reconsider that decision as well? I think it was very clear from Justice Alito's uh, comments that that this indication on Roe v. Wade and it being overturned did not indicate that they were going to move on to other subjects and continue this type of um, you know, decision across the board. And do you so think that's right? Each was- issue will stand on its own. Each issue will be debated on its own. And I think that uh, in our state that there have been decisions and laws in place and those will continue to be debated. That's what's wonderful about our republic is that uh, each state makes its decisions, right. has the debate on the policy, and then they pass. My right. job as governor is to make sure that I'm protecting my people from federal government intrusion, doing my job and only my job uh, and not overstepping my Does authority. Does that include same-sex marriage? I think that will be a debate that we'll continue to have. Okay. I want to ask you about some new information we learned this week about the attack on the U.S. Capitol where you used to serve. Uh, a former top mm-hmm. aide to Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, Cassidy Hutchinson, said President Trump knew the mob was armed and still sent them to the Capitol. Listen to what she said. I overheard the president say something to the effect of, you know, I, I don't effing care that they have weapons. They're not here to hurt me. Take the effing mags away. Let my people in. They can march to the Capitol from here. This is firsthand testimony under oath from a tried and true Republican. Does it alarm you? Well, what alarms me is the way that this hearing's been conducted. You know, this is not at all like the hearings that were conducted when I was a member of Congress. This was a one-sided conversation uh, with one, you know, set of witnesses that are reporting hearsay in many situations, not facts. So it's been difficult to really believe everything that she has said. You know, she says that she's telling the truth, but much of it was hearsay and much of it other people have refuted now. So Governor, what there's I an agenda behind this hearing. was her firsthand. She said that she heard President Trump say that. So it's but not her credibility was her credibility was damaged when she talked about hearsay. And then other people uh, that, that, that she referenced said that it absolutely wasn't true. And that's what's difficult about these hearings. It feels to be more of a show and more of an agenda than an actual, true, objective hearing that's uncovering facts. She, and just for the record, I would prefer that we continue. When I go to the gas stations, when I'm working in South Dakota and I'm traveling to businesses and talking to families, yeah. with their number one concern this 4th of and, July weekend uh, is going to be and gonna gas prices that, and food for their families. I'm going to ask you about that, Governor. But just mm-hmm. for the record, she testified under oath uh, to, mm-hmm. to, to what she did. And we haven't heard uh, anyone dispute that yet uh, under oath. I, I want to ask even more broadly, do you believe that President Trump bears any responsibility for what happened on January 6th? I think January 6th was a horrific day in our history. I never want to see that happen again. I think moving forward that we've got to have a time in our country where we all start talking to each other again, where we start having conversations. We get much better policy. I talk about this in my book, Dana, where I talk about the fact that we become a country so offended by each mm-hmm. other that we quit talking to each other. And it's hurting public debate that we have to have different perspectives around the table to have an open conversation. And we'll end up with much better policy, better laws, if we can take the emotion and the anger and the bitterness right. out of our conversation and really talk about what is best for our country and where we can agree the, and move forward. The question is whether President Trump bears any responsibility. I think we all need to examine this country and where we're going. And I'm hopeful that people will look to our state. Our state has done incredible things. I think that 
country is desperate for some hope right now. The best weekend to focus on that is this weekend where we celebrate our freedoms, our independence, and really uh, look forward with an optimistic attitude. I think we've got a bright future ahead of us as long as we continue to represent our people. Real quick, because I wanted to get to the economy. President, uh, former President Trump may announce that he's running as soon as this month. Uh, if he does, A, will you support him? And B, would you like to be his running mate? <laughs> if he runs, I will support him. I've said that many times. I think his policies were good for our country. Would you like to be his I running supported, mate? I think that there's a lot of people out there who would like to be if his he running asked you, mate. Would you so I'm say focused yes? on getting reelected to. I don't operate in that hypothetical either. Okay. Um, I would be shocked if he asked. And right now, I'm just so focused on South Dakota. We're doing great things, and we've got a lot more to do the next four years. In your new book, uh, you write that one of the things your dad used to say was, we don't complain about things, Christy, we fix them. Mm -hmm. So about inflation, gas prices, as you mentioned, are near record highs. President Biden is calling on states to pause their state gas taxes. Will you do that as well? I think that a lot of energy policies should be addressed. A lot of them with opening up American energy supply again. I wish he wouldn't have canceled the Keystone Pipeline. I wish he wouldn't have stopped drilling on federal lands. I wish he wouldn't hit so many of our energy industry partners with regulations and fines and penalties. He's made us much more dependent on our enemies on foreign soil. Uh, so when we get these American first energy supplies back online and we start depending on ourselves and become independent, it certainly will be a better day for South Dakotans. Christy Nome, governor of South Dakota, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. And up next, has Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony led to new witnesses coming forward? January 6th committee member Adam Kinzinger is here. And Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney is unapologetic about her position on former President Trump. As he contemplates 2024, what's her future? Let me also say this to the little girls and to the young women who are watching tonight. These days, for the most part, Men are running the world, and it is really not going that well. Welcome back to State of the Union. The House committee investigating the January 6th attacks is gearing up for more hearings after the bombshell testimony this week. And now the two Republican members of the committee are urging the Biden Justice Department to act including my next guest. Here with me now is a member of the January 6th committee, Republican Congressman Adam Kinzinger of Illinois. Congressman, I want to get your reaction to what you just heard from the South Dakota governor, Christy Nome, particularly on January 6th, talking about uh, the fact that she didn't think specifically that the former president had any blame. She said everybody has blame, but she also put into question the credibility of Cassidy Hutchinson. Your response? Yeah, I mean, this, I'm blown away. This is not, you know, I served with Christy Nome in the house and it's like invasion of the body snatchers. This is not the Christy Nome I served with. Christy Nome I served with, you know, was conservative, dedicated to truth. Uh, I, and I, at the time would have thought would have put her country above her political career at any moment. It is clear. Look, Dana, it is clear. She is running for president or vice president. She's scared to death of the base. And for her to, to call into question you know, a 26-year-old patriot who stood in front of the committee alone and told the truth, uh, and then to, to, to avoid saying that Donald Trump bore even an ounce of responsibility for January 6th, I, 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 I get amazed still every day 
uh, by what some of my colleagues do, this is one of the biggest ones. She used to be something very different. Um, there are, I don't need to tell you, only two Republicans on this committee. You're one of them. The other is Vice Chair Liz Cheney. She's facing a very tough re-election fight in Wyoming. Wyoming. She faced off with her opponents in a debate this week. Take a listen. Our republic is not in danger because of President Donald J. Trump. We have serious questions about the 2020 election. When I talked to Mike Lindell, he did say that there was a small, small portion of uh, voter fraud in this state, but that is alarming anyway. There is fraud happening, and we know it. I will never violate my oath of office, and if you're looking for somebody who will, then you need to vote for somebody else on this stage. You had a colorful reaction to that debate using a term that I think my 11-year-old son would like. You said her opponents are, quote, a bunch of armpit farters. But realistically, one of them could very well win in November. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's, okay, how do I put it this way? So Liz Cheney, you can disagree with her position on whatever, but she stood in front of her constituents and she said, look, here's where I'm at on these issues, these core democracy issues. Now you can make a decision whether or not to vote for me. Frankly, that's what politics should be. That's what every election should be. You see her opponents spreading conspiracy. You know, her main opponent was a big supporter of Liz Cheney until she found out that maybe she could run against Liz Cheney. And so they are lying to their constituents. I guess she hasn't really said whether the election was stolen or not, but likes to to play games. This has turned into, and this is where, I mean, I honestly think the political system is failing America and, and, and Americans have got to wake up and demand far better because we, we have a primary system where somebody like Liz Cheney, a very professional focused person, regardless of what you think of her politics, I tend to agree with her politics, of course, you know, can be up against just lies and conspiracy and five to 10% of the country or of that district of Wyoming will actually show up and vote in a primary and, and make a decision. We just had a uh, Mary Miller that beat uh, Rodney Davis here in Illinois, a 700,000 person district, and it was only a few tens of thousands of people that voted in that. Something's got to change. Um, look, Liz, God bless her. She is making a stand. I think she can win, but I hope this serves as a lesson to every American. Like, let's fix this system because the primary system is failing you. Congressman, let's turn to the explosive testimony this week from former Trump White House aide Cassidy Hutchinson. Here's what she said. Then Deputy Chief of Staff Tony Ornato told her happened inside the presidential car on January 6th. The president said something to the effect of, I'm the effing president. Take me up to the Capitol now. The president reached up towards the front of the vehicle to grab at the steering wheel. Mr. Engel grabbed his arm, said, sir, you need to take your hand off the steering wheel. We're going back to the West Wing. Mr. Trump then used his free hand to lunge towards Bobby Angle. So this is the part that Governor Nome was referring to, and some Secret Service sources are disputing the account. Others say, though, it tracks with what they heard. So the question is, um, Trump allies are trying to use this to discredit all of her testimony. Why did the committee put this out there, ask her about this, that she heard secondhand without first obtaining corroborating evidence? Well, I'm not going to say what we do or don't have in terms of corroboration, um, but let me say this. Uh, What she said is this is what she heard. At no point did she say she was in the beast with the president and saw this happen. 
Now, you guys have done a good job of reporting Secret Service uh, uh, sources saying they heard the same story. What you're seeing now, and this is typical for Trump world, that nobody has argued, nobody has argued that the president didn't want to go to the Capitol. Nobody has argued that he didn't know there were guns. Um, they're trying to argue, did he really grab for the beast? And that's where T Tony Ornato will have to come in and tell us more about his position on that. Will he do that? Uh, well, we'll there, there's information I can't say yet, but uh, we certainly would say that Cassidy Hutchinson has testified under oath. We find her credible. And anybody that wants to cast disparagements on that, that, that was firsthand present, should come and also testify under oath and not through anonymous sources, quote unquote, and not potentially being an anonymous source. Congressman, since Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony, have new witnesses come forward to want to speak up? Yes. Um, I, again, I don't want to get into who or any of those details, but it, and it's not even just Cassidy. By the way, she's she's been inspiring for a lot of people. Um, it's it, this happens every day. Every day we get new people that come forward and say, "Hey, I didn't think maybe this piece of a story that I knew was important, but now that you guys are t like, I do see this plays in here." Um, but yeah, I mean, look, uh, she is going to go down in history as. I mean, people can forget the names of every one of us on the committee. They will not forget her name. And by the way, she doesn't want that. She doesn't want to be out in the public spotlight, but she has a commitment to truth that somebody like Christy Nome, for instance, and most people in our party would actually benefit to take just a 10% ounce. Real quick, because we're out of time. Will we hear from witnesses that you did not know about with stories you did not hear because of the hearing so far? Yes, yes, there will be, there is, there will be way more information and uh, stay tuned. Congressman, thank you so much for joining me. Have a nice fourth. You too. So how are the January 6th hearings affecting how Republicans view Trump 2024? I'll ask one of his ambassadors who blamed his former boss for encouraging the riot. That's coming up next. We had a corrupt election. I'd actually like to ask everybody on this stage, if they would agree we had a corrupt stolen election, raise your hand. Did well, we I have, would, did we I, have, this is I would question. like to, did I'm not going to play your, your stunt. That was a debate uh, for the Arizona governor's race. We are here with our panel. Thank you so much all for coming in. Uh, Scott Brown, you were Donald Trump's ambassador to New Zealand. If you were on that stage, would you raise your hand? No, no. I mean, they had an opportunity to go to the election, do their job, put on all the protections. Uh, if they were concerned about polling places, they should have worked with the Justice Department and got safety and security there so the poll watchers wouldn't put, uh, be put out. I went all the way up to the Supreme Court. He exhausted all his possibilities. And Joe Biden is the president. I wish he wasn't because of where, we're, we're, where we are right now with inflation, the border, and all the things that we know with 85% of the people saying we're going in, in the wrong direction, 79% of Republicans. But yes, no, I, I wouldn't have raised my hand. What does that say about your party? Well, it's not my party anymore. I'm now unaffiliated. Former and it's yeah, it's precisely because of this kind of nonsense. Uh, and, and I think <coughs> Scott is absolutely right. I think there are many of us who are still conservative, who still support some of the policies of the Trump administration and support the policies of conservatism uh, long term. We're desperate to get beyond Trump to make this man go off into the sunset and stay down in Mar-a-Lago and play golf and whatever else he does down there, uh, and to be able to be given a choice for 
real Republicans, real conservatives. He's, he's the, about to. The problem, though, is that the cancer of Trump has metastasized. Right. And so you just can't shake it. And when you look at, I believe her name is Carrie Lake, who is by all, by all standards unqualified to be governor of anything. Um, you know, the front runner for the Republican nomination to be governor of Arizona. You look at Christy Nome, who is a seasoned vet who's contorted herself into pretzels. I mean, she did the best job of evading your answers. I mean, I just haven't seen. It's like my 17 year old daughter when you ask her a question and she's trying to sneak out and she's like, well, you know, I don't know. I mean, just it, it's that you can't get the, the Trump on element. January 6th. She answered on abortion. It, it, Kind of. She didn't answer the question about the 10 year old girl and the rape exception. But, you know, when you think when you think these things through, um, Trump is just hovering over this party and he's just a stench that they can't shake. I mean, I'm, I'm on the other side of, of the political aisle. I would love to be past Trump. I would love for Trump to be in the rearview mirror. I don't ever want to think about him again, much less have a conversation. But this is ongoing. The January 6th investigation is about a coup that failed. Right. We know from historical precedent all over the globe, that's rarely the only time that's attempted. And we're watching them try to set it up for 2024 in real time. So we can't get past Trump until we know he can't cause us any more harm. As you come in, I want to show our viewers yeah. what the Washington Examiner said in an editorial. The Washington Examiner editorial board is conservative. Trump is unfit to be anywhere near power ever again. Republicans have far better options to lead the party in 2024. No one should think otherwise, much less support him ever again. And yet he is, according to our sources, likely to announce he is going to run in 2024 as soon as this uh, this month. Well, you never know. And, and first of all, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. But also look at what's happening with the Democrats. So Joe Biden, you have Pritzker out there, you have AOC. Others are questioning his ability to not only lead, but run again. And yes, President Trump is playing a role still, and he will play a role because he was a former president, just like every other former president. But in New Hampshire, which is where I live, uh, we have, I've already seen Pence five times, uh, Cotton, both Scots, uh, Christie, uh, Haley, uh, Pompeo. So Do they stand a chance yeah, against Listen, uh, New Hampshire will vet people very, very thoroughly. And right now, DeSantis is tied with Trump in New Hampshire. So this is far from over. Uh, the process will take care of itself. And, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Would you support him? And by, by the way, would you support him? Uh, listen, I'm going to, the beauty of where I am now is I'm going to hold those backyard barbecues like we did before that you came to, mm -hmm. and we're going to be vetting. And when you say, well, what about January 6th and all the things that's coming out? Yeah. The voters are going to take everything into consideration, every single thing. And they're ultimately going to make their the, decision. The both, both sides is, is not really, it's not a thing when you no. talk about the issue we're having with Joe Biden versus the issue the Republican party's having with uh, with Donald Trump. There is a question about whether or not Joe Biden is going to run for president in 2024. I mean, that, that's just a, Or if he's going to finish his term right now. Well, he's going to finish his term. There's no reason to believe he won't. But it's not a character issue. It's not a it's not the fragility of democracy. This is th these are separate issues. When you talk about Donald Trump, it's it's a fitness question. He's unfit to be in office. When you talk about Joe Biden, it's it's an age question. It's a, is he going to run again? Can he be a standard bearer in 2024? You don't have those same questions. And, and it's more even than a fitness question, in my view. It's a legal question. I mean, well, this is too. a man who, in fact, orchestrated, with help from others, an attempted coup. He tried to overturn a, an election. And it wasn't just Cassidy Hutchinson. I think the testimony the week before from the three officials from the Justice Department was in some ways even more compelling we got very close, not just on January 6th. That was the culmination. This was a plot that unfolded over weeks. 
that attempted to strong arm members of the state legislature, uh, tried to corrupt the Department of Justice, and ultimately led the, the then president to do what, exactly what Liz Cheney did, uh, said he did, which was to summon the mob, to assemble the mob, and then to light the fire. Uh, listen, uh, the big person who, the, the person who really screwed up here was Kevin McCarthy. Uh, he did not provide an opportunity put, to put others on when he had a chance. Sure. I think when the history books are, are written, it'll say, oh yeah, they missed an opportunity to actually have a hearing that they could have offered cross-examination. Because as I travel around the country and speak to people around New Hampshire, they think the committee is very important, but they want to get both sides. They want to hear from that Secret Service, the Secret Service people directly, not through hearsay, but directly, an opportunity to cross-examine. That's the fault, and they that's the problem. They missed the opportunity to continue misinforming the American people, which is what would have happened if Jim Jordan yes, we was got on it. the committee. No, we got to take, we got to take, Jordan. guys, we have others. a lot more to talk about. Others. Guess what? We have a whole other segment. Excellent. So hang on. Excellent. Stay right there. A potential new move by President Biden is setting up outrage from his own party. We're going to talk about that. Stay with us. You're saying now, the president said that this fall, Roe is on the ballot. But what do you say to Democratic voters who argue, wait a minute, we worked really hard to elect a Democratic president yeah. and vice president, yeah. Democratic-led House, yeah. a Democratic-led Senate. Do it now. But do what now? Uh, what now? Welcome back to State of the Union. Jess, uh, as a proud progressive, what's your overall impression and reaction to the way the Biden administration is um, proceeding post-Roe? It's not enough. I, I love the things that they say they are working on doing. I think the most important thing right now is to make sure that access to abortion is maintained for as many people in the country as possible until we get to November, when then we're going to need to vote in two more Democratic senators in order to codify Roe. I think that the Biden administration needs to get very explicit about that voting message. It's not just vote and vote harder. It's vote for these two seats so that we can get this thing done. And in the meantime, Everything that he said was correct. He, uh, he needs to be making sure that women can cross state lines. And the fact that it's 2022, and I am sitting here as a 40-year-old woman, if I were to get pregnant, I would want to keep it. I would be happy with that idea. And I would not be able to travel to multiple states in the country because if something went wrong, I could die. So he needs to make sure that travel is open. He needs to make sure that medication abortion is available or telemedicine to as many people as need it. Um, these are the things that he, he definitely needs to be looking at putting abortion clinics on federal lands, anything he can do to keep access for as long as possible until we can codify it in Congress. I think the real problem is this now is back in the states. And the problems that progressive have is that 30 states are controlled Correct. by Republicans. And I mean, I think this is sort of missing the, the, uh, you know, the forest for the trees. But the fact is, if you don't get some of the radicals who are in state legislature, and they are radicals. I mean, these are people who would stop that 10-year-old uh, who was pregnant by rape uh, from being able to travel even to another state to get a legal abortion. Uh, that's, that's where the Democrats have missed the boat. They should have been yeah. focused more I, on... I, don't, well, it, I, cannot, I cannot disagree with you because it feels as if we were flat-footed, like we didn't know this was coming. We, the and Democrats? Democrats. And the fact is, Republicans have not hidden their hand. This has been a 50-year journey for them to overturn Roe. Ro 
and we don't have a plan. I mean, and vote harder. The reproductive justice movement didn't hide their hand either. We we have been yelling about this. We have not, been I'm screaming not, I, about this. Yeah, and I'm not talking about the activists. I'm not talking about the people who do great work every day. I'm talking about the people the who men in charge. Can I just inject one other thing sure. that I mentioned that. in the in the two, <laughs> two Kentucky Democrats tell CNN that President Biden intends to nominate an anti-abortion Republican lawyer to a lifetime this judicial appointment in Kentucky. This is absurd. Yeah. This is absurd. I mean, the the fact that Joe Biden will nominate an anti-choice judge in exchange for two temporary prosecutors shows that we don't have an understanding, one, of the justice system, or two, we're not reading the room, as the kids say. I mean, this is why it's completely outrageous that vote harder is not going to do it. I mean, we we have to do a better job of messaging around uh, women's access to reproductive rights. I mean, just this vote harder frustrates me. And then the president of the United States goes and does this. And it just it's frustrating. We are talking about the freedom to decide when and whether to grow our families. That is a foundational right. And now we are seeing all of the things that were built on that foundation start to crumble. You've been on the ballot many times. Do you think that the Democrats argument, aside from this table, um, that this is going to motivate Democratic or and even independent voters is legit? Well, first of all, I agree with you. Uh, the president and his team, Pelosi, they were flat-footed. They knew two months because of the leak, that, and they did nothing. He says, I don't know what to do, and I'm a pro-choice Republican, okay? Uh, with what your question was, geographically, I think it's, it's important. In the Northeast, we're pro-choice. Uh, they're going to codify through the state's rights. Uh, but what I'm hearing around, and I'm everywhere, as you know, uh, very important. January 6th, the abortion, exceedingly important. But right now, people are hurting financially. Inflation, the border, fentanyl, deaths. They can't pay their bills. And those economic uh, issues, I believe, will, will supersede we're, potentially those issues. We're going to have to leave it there. Thank you all. Have a wonderful fourth. Appreciate you, you coming in. Thank you. Thank Cheers. you. And it is summer. We're ready to celebrate here at CNN and all around the country and even the world. A sneak peek at the best way to see fireworks and an epic concert. It's going to be right here on CNN. Stay with me. Tomorrow, right here on CNN, you can see coast-to-coast fireworks shows from Austin, Boston, Chicago, Denver, Nashville, New York City, Philadelphia, D.C., and even more. And musical performances from Gloria Stefan, Pitbull, Avril Lavigne, Willie Nelson, T-Pain, and the U.S. Air Force Band, and there's even going to be more. Please join me along with co-hosts Don Lemon, Ana Cabrera, and Sarah Seidner for the 4th in America special. It starts right here tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Eastern. Thank you so much for spending your Sunday morning with us. The news continues next. See you tomorrow night. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. 
Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.